All right, turn in your Bibles to Psalm 139. We are going to... We have finished... Uh, we're following Dr. Frame's systematic theology, and we have finished our discussion of the moral attributes of God. And we discussed a lot concerning his moral attributes, uh, his love specifically, uh, his, his uh, jealousy, his wrath, <laughs> and all the things. We discussed some, some things that are popular, like his love, his mercy, his grace, and things that aren't as popular, his wrath, and things of that nature. So today... We are moving away from the moral attributes. And what is an attribute again? An attribute is an attribute is a uh, is something that we can predicate about God. And what he has specifically predicated by uh, about himself uh, via his word. So that's what an attribute is. So now that we have considered his moral attributes, all that which springs from the truth that God is love, that God is good, um, God is faithful, uh, and all of that as it relates to his lordship attributes, we're now going to talk about God's knowledge. Okay? The knowledge of God, which, by the way, is what we should be trying to attain and what we are trying to attain as we're studying him. Uh, uh, the beginning of wisdom, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, Psalm 10, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Uh, so there's a lot that's going to go into this, and we would call these not, not the moral attributes of God, but the intellectual, and some people even call it the epistemological, that's a big the, uh, philosophical word, but the intellectual attributes of God. Uh, this takes in both what God knows... So what he knows and his knowability. And those are two separate things. So what can be known of him? So what he knows and what can be known of him. This is, this is what's going to fit under his intellectual attributes. Um, and these are two vastly different things. So right now we're going to be just talking about what he knows. Uh, and later on um, we're going to get into his knowability. But, but that springs from his knowledge itself. Because what do we know about God? what he reveals about himself. <laughs> so we are dependent on God 
transmitting knowledge about himself for everything that we know about him. Whether, whether that is our natural knowledge of Romans chapter 1, we know that he is the, he's eternal, we know that he is the cause of all things, we know that he has wrath, uh, all those things taught in Romans 1 about what man naturally knows about God. And then, the first, but that all comes from the fact that he has revealed himself in creation, but he has also revealed himself in his word, and what we have here is the knowledge of God, in a sense. This is what he has revealed about himself. So, so, uh, so it takes in both of these aspects, what he knows and what he has made known. All right, so Psalm 139, this is a good place to start, just to, just to kind of start unpacking this and uh, try to watch time. O Lord, Thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down-sitting and my uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassed me, uh, my path and my lying down, and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, Thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast been behind me and before me and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful me, it is high, I cannot attain unto it. And then it gets into the matter of his presence as well, which is going to be an important point to come back to uh, just for today's consideration. Um, so the knowledge of God. So we have these two aspects, and they both are related to one another. What God knows and what He has made known are are two separate things. But these are the intellectual acts acts of God, and and we we treat the, these as God's speech and His truth. So this is the aspect of His truth. What he knows, and the knowability is regarding his speech, what he has said to us. And we believe that God has spoken. And that's why we're here. That's why we have our Bibles open today. We, we believe that God has indeed spoke. So, but they also, but as we as we work out further about his knowledge, we, we have to deal with things such as his incomprehensibility. Can you understand God? No, <laughs> you can't. Uh, and his knowability. What can, uh, uh, can, can we really wrap our mind around what he has revealed about himself? Can you wrap your mind around eternity or infinitude or, or things of that nature? Uh, so we, we're going to have to unpack some of these ultimately, uh, uh, and our accessibility, our accessibility of our knowledge of Him. So broadly, we're just seeing how right now. I'm just wanting to know that these two things are related uh, in and of themselves. Um, so let's get into this matter. So, what is knowledge? This is going to be philosophical, I guess, and I apologize about it. I got to start by grounding and and what 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 do we define as knowledge? Knowledge is. Let me get something a little brighter. 
Knowledge, according to many philosophers, is a justified true belief. And you, Call, can't read this. I don't even know why, because <laughs> it's so small. A justified true belief. And this is the this is a, a general definition. Uh, even among Christian philosophers, such as Alvin Platinga, who has uh, wrote much about uh, about uh, a warrant, a warrant for belief in things of that nature. And if you want to uh, break your head, please please go ahead and try to read Alvin Platinga on things of that nature. A wonderful man. I think he is out of Oxford or something like that. But but uh, but uh, he would speak of our warrant to believe. Uh, in certain things. So a justified true belief. Um, and that is the starting point for many discussions. But, but there is no real consensus that this is what knowledge is and, or what constitutes justification. Now, for instance, um, I listen, I've been listening to quite a few debates on various subjects, and I've, 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 I remember listening to, to uh, Dr. Bonson's debate against uh, against uh, the atheist, I forgot his name, uh, but but he laid, Dr. Swanson or Dr. Bonson laid out specific truths and I mean to bring to light the knowledge of God. And at the end of the day, his opponent was still an atheist. Uh, what he believed was justified true belief was the two different things. Uh, and, and, there, and therefore, no matter how sound uh, the logic of Dr. Bonson was, he was unable to convince him because there is no real consensus about what, a justi- what justification of true belief. And then you're unpacking, um, you got to unpack the other two words, uh, true belief about uh, uh, the, the, the term true and the term belief and things of that nature. And we have to consider that there is something bigger about truth, something bigger about knowledge than we can just summarize right here. Not only are we talking about justified true belief, but this has an ethical nature. What should we believe? What ought we to believe? For instance, if I was in a math class, uh, you ought to believe... Two plus two is four. That, that, that is not just uh, whether or not you're justified in it or it's been demonstrated to you empirically and, and logically or anything else of that nature. Are you, it, the question isn't just are you justified in believing two plus two is four. Uh, should you believe it? Ought you to believe it? And it has, a, it has an ethical dimension to it. Knowledge shows us that knowledge cannot be grounded in finite reality as well. It, so where does knowledge come from? We have to admit that uh, there are things knowable. There are things that are known in this world. Like, I, I know this is a concrete reality. I know 2 plus 2 equals 4. I, I know a triangle has three sides and, and the angles all equal 180 degrees when added together. I, I, I know certain things. I I know water is wet and all these things. I can, I can ascertain propositional truth, but why? Why is there truth out there? 
because there is an originator. There, there is a knowledge. So uh, there, there is knowledge to be had because there is someone who has communicated knowledge. There is something that is communicated knowledge. For instance, if I was walking, if you, uh, I mean, but not do me, let's uh, say you are walking down the road uh, and you run into, uh, or you're walking down the beach, let's do the beach <laughs> because you all need a relaxing moment, I'm sure, after a long week. Uh, so you're just having a leisurely walk at sunset on the beach, and you know you're just kicking some kicking some stand, sand around, listening to the waves crash on the beach, and you come across something scrawled in the sand. It says, "Honey, I love you. Please bring home some milk or something like that." Signed, uh, your smoochy poo or whatever it is. Uh, but 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 there's there is knowledge being communicated. And if there is knowledge, we know there's a mind behind it. That's no different than we approach physical reality. If there's knowledge, there's a mind behind it. There is some, there is truths that are being communicated, and they're not just, we, we have this idea, not we, as Christians, but just people in general have this idea that all these random facts are just floating around out there independently of a mind. Now, that's silly. It's as silly as you and me saying, well, some, well, that waves must have crashed on the beach and threw some rocks up there, and that rock just, and it spelled out, honey, I love you, and all that kind of stuff. There, uh, if there is information, if there is knowledge to be had at all, it has God at its base. This this truth in and of itself is, is uh, profound when you start thinking about it. I, I, I remember not too long after uh, Dad gave me a couple books, uh, and one of them was Francis Schaeffer's uh, How Shall We Then Live? And I started looking at the world around me differently. As I'm looking at this, as I'm looking at that, this is, has information. It is speaking, and it is speaking, and it's a, it's a mind of God that is speaking and making himself known. There is knowledge to be had, and it presupposes if you're dealing in the world of knowledge, if you're dealing with knowledge as a real thing, you are already dealing in the world of a mind that is communicating to us no matter what field of study you have. Um, Proverbs 1, 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. If God's not there, not only is there no knowledge, but knowledge is not even possible. So there's other problems with the definition. Uh, so... The definition of talking about knowledge is justified true belief, which presupposes the idea of truth that we're talking about. But, but just reducing knowledge to that, uh, it gives the idea that all knowledge is just propositional knowledge. Uh, knowing that this is so, uh, or items of information, uh, uh, water is wet, and um, and a triangle has three sides, or something like that. that. Like that, that is the only type of knowledge that there is, and therefore knowledge is just justified true belief. 
But there are different ways of knowing. For instance, there's not only knowing that, we know that this is so. Let me use a different color. So knowing that. There's also the knowledge of skill. Knowing how. And this is important because how many of you all are really, really good at bowling? Anybody in here really, really good at bowling? Ever bowled a 300? A 200? A 150? I, I think my top is like 110. Now, let, it, let, let us say tonight that you go home and you get your Google out and you start studying bowling techniques. And you read hours and hours and hours of bowling techniques and you're reading this and you're reading that and then you're, and then you're cramming yourself watching bowling championships and looking at their techniques and you spend the next 48 hours knowing or learning that all these propositional truths about bowling. You know that this is so if you do this, and if you, this is so if you do that. And then you go to the bowling alley. What are you going to bowl? There's a difference between propositional truth and actual skill. I can study endlessly about how to be a quarterback in the NFL. And I could walk on the field, and how well do you think I'm going to do? Probably not, <laughs> Probably not well. I'm going to get smashed into the, into the pavement because there's different things, things about knowing. Uh, uh, Raymond, Brother Raymond, he's a, he's a very, very skilled at woodmaking. And I can watch him all day, and I can read books and stuff like that on woodmaking all day long. I could never have done what he did here. I just can't. I don't have the skill set. There's a difference between role, knowing that and knowing how. Yes. Uh huh. And if I build a house instead of Lonnie, <laughs> you're not going to live in the house that I built. What's, what's that old nursery rhyme? Uh, the house that Jack built. Uh, you know, uh, uh, all, all these are skills. There, there becomes a point where someone not just not only knows that, but they have the skill set to know how in a very real world. And that's a different kind of knowing. That's not him sitting there, okay, if I do this, this, and this, and this, and this, and this, this will happen. But to actually have the skill to put it forth. And there's not just knowing that, knowing how, but there's also another kind of knowing, knowing who. And that's not propositional truth. It's not. Uh, you having a friend is not you knowing a bunch of facts about that friend. Propositional truths. They like oatmeal. Uh, it now involves some of that stuff. It involves you knowing that they... That they uh, why am I just reducing everything to food facts? <laughs> but, but I guess because that's, that's what's really, really important. Uh, but 
but it's not just a list of things that you know about them, but a communion that you have with them as friendship, as a real friendship. Um, a husband and wife is not people who have these lists of facts that they have of one another. They have knowledge that is not propositional. So there are different kinds of knowing, and it's a very important for us to talk about. I, I, I know a lot of facts about Joe Biden, but I've not once been invited to the White House, right? Because we don't really know one another. And, and I can, I, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, so in view of the scriptures, the most important kind of knowledge is the knowledge of God. Again, to quote Proverbs chapter 1, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Uh, Proverbs 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Um, without us recognizing God, not only, uh, not only do we not have an understanding of all things, we, we miss that most important thing. Um, uh, that's why Peter prayed, um, uh, that you may grow in grace and knowledge of Him. So knowledge is fundamentally knowledge of a person. No, knowledge is personal, just like that letter stumbling across the beach as you're walking across the beach this morning. That is very personal information. That is not these independent, meaningless facts floating around in the universe, but knowledge is personal. It, it, it is, truth is personal. It, it, it leads us to a personal kind of knowing. And it is also covenantal um, in the sense that God has created all that is. All that we know about came from God. And God is Lord over those things and He's Lord over, over us and Lord over our knowing of it. So God made all things and as Lord, He gives it meaning. Everything that is made has already come with a pre-interpretation to, uh, to, to its existence, to its reality. He has interpreted, he has defined it, he has said that this is, and this is its parameters, and this is its extension in, in space and time and all these things. And, and he supplies the norms, he supplies the justifications that are missing in secular accounts of knowledge. So once you take God out of the picture, we don't really know much. Well, according to scriptures, we don't really know nothing. If we're studying a grain of sand, for instance, we what can we what what can we really say if we have a secular mindset about a well we can't really say anything because that's using the rules of logic that are revealed by God, but if we set aside those, we're just gonna babble and drool on ourselves. But let's say that let's grant the use of logic and understand language and all that. So we're studying a grain of sand and we're looking at that grain of sand, and what can we really say about it without God? Well, we could say it has this much, it's this long, it has this density, it can be pressed, if I press on it this hard, it'll crush into powder. If I, do, if I do this, if I do that to it, it'll do this. Do we know anything about it? We don't know why it's there. We don't know, we, 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 we don't know its purpose, its telos. We, 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 we don't know anything about it. Because if that's all we get with a secular understanding is granting the use of logic is just being able to measure things. And that's about it. Now, a Christian understanding has said, a Christian understanding comes and says, well, God has given this meaning. 
because He has created it, because He has designed it, because He has made it so, and He has a purpose for it being here. And we can study things under that realm. Uh, so, not, not, and it takes in, and once you have God, you have this ought to knowledge as well. Why should I? Why ought I to believe 2 plus 2 equals 4? Well, ultimately behind that, if you go back far enough in our ethical understanding of all things that are created, I ought to because this is a truth that God has revealed. There's my justification for true knowledge. For true belief, that is. I, that's the reason I should believe uh, on these things. Um, we can't get to those deeper whys without understanding that God has knowledge, God has created all that is known and has revealed all that is known of Himself. Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who has taught my hands to fight, even down to our ability to have skill in anything is something that comes from God. Uh, think of uh, a, is it Bar, Bar, Barzillai or, or whatever that God, it says God gave him the spirit of understanding and he went about to shape the Ark of the Covenant, to shape the, to, shape the, uh, uh, to do all the metal work and, and all these things in the, t- in the tabernacle. And so God gives ability even down to what we have in and practice in the church comes from where? The Spirit of God. He gives us the abilities that we have. Now, knowledge in and of itself, and I, I don't, I'm not trying to get into the minutia of, of the philosophy of this. I want to quickly try to make this very practical. But knowledge is dependent on God. You don't know independent facts. Every fact you know is dependent on God. Uh, from 2 plus 2 equals 4, even, uh, and on. So there are no independent facts anywhere. There's no independent knowledge. It's all dependent on God. And God's own knowledge depends on God. You don't go any further, further back than that. Now, that may sound circular, but this is our presupposition. I am, not, I am unafraid to, tell, to say this. Uh, most apologetics works that you'll read will all be evidential, as if there are these random facts out there that are that are neutral that we can all discuss. But ultimately, as a presuppositionalist, we believe that God is the starting point for all discussions. Now I say we. I'm not including. I'm not saying you're a presuppositionalist. I'm saying we that are a presuppositionalist. God is our starting point. Whether we're talking, well, we've been doing the series on sexuality. What's our starting point for understanding sexuality? God. If we have any other starting point, we don't really know it. We don't know those things. Uh, so my point is, is God is self-attesting, self-referential. He is self-sufficient. Or God does not depend on anything else. He knows himself and he knows his relationship with all other things. And he is the ground of all knowledge. So he is our ultimate justification for our justified true beliefs. Uh, truth is what he has is made and what he has decreed to be. So that's kind of the philosophical points uh, 
John Frame here, he says, he boils it down to this. Many theologians uh, break it down to two points, God knowing himself and God knowing his own plan for all things. And I add only the third point, uh, God knowing his relationship of all things to himself. Uh, but if you can take that for what it's worth. Psalm 146, uh, or not Psalm 146, <laughs> Isaiah 46. You know, some people, you know, just don't take weekends off. They're just emailing me about, <laughs> about work. You ought, to, you ought to take some time off. Enjoy a, a good Sabbath. Psalm 40, or Isaiah 46 and verse 10. God is, we'll go back to verse nine, uh, 8. Remember this and show yourselves men. Bring it again to mind, O ye transgressors. Remember the former things of old, for I am God. There is none else. I am God, and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning. Not to be tacky here and, and quote a, what was that Beach Boy song, God Only Knows. Well, I mean, there's a certain amount of truth to that. God only knows. Um, he declares the end from the beginning. He has established the purpose and the ends. Declaring the end from the beginning, from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, I will do all my pleasure. That right there is why we live in a world that can be known. We trust that everything, every event in history, every event in our lives has all been ordered by God. And we can understand it as much as those things can be understood. Because God is the revealer of all things, and ultimately God knows his plans. Ever, uh, Jeremiah, I forgot that verse, but I know the plans I have for you, plans to build up and things of that nature. That's all predicated on this idea that God is the one working all things. So his knowledge is very... Is, is very vast when we start talking about what God knows. And that's, uh, I don't know if I want to get into this idea of his lordship and how his knowledge is, connects with his lordship. I'll pick up on this. I just want to understand this a little bit from the perspective where the rubber meets the road. I, I do want to say a word or two that is more practical and less philosophical. We just read Psalm 139. That's the truth. God knows you. He knows everything about you. He knows your down-sitting, your uprising, <laughs> the very thoughts of your heart, the intents of your heart. He searches those things. He judges those things. We stand before God in all moments and all aspects of our life. And God is working in you towards an end. And that's, that's something that 
we have to have in our minds. And we think of all this, uh, think of the, uh, the woman at the well. Come see a man that told me all things that I ever did. Is this not the Christ, she said. He knew her heart. And he knows yours, and he knows mine. Uh, the psalmist was, you, 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 you'll see the psalmist in Psalm 139 working through this angst, beginning with this knowledge, and then saying, where can I flee? Where can I go? The God isn't there, and he isn't knowing, and he isn't knowing and understanding me. Uh, Nathaniel, the story of Nathaniel there in John chapter 1. He said, well, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And, he said, and Philip said, come and see. And as he was coming, uh, Jesus presented himself. He says, behold, a man without guile. <laughs> he said, and Nathaniel says, how do you know me? And he said, before Philip came to you, before Philip came to you, while you were yet under the fig tree, I saw you. God sees and knows you. He has knowledge of you. He has specific knowledge of you. He has exhaustive knowledge of you. And yes, that includes he knows the plans, of, <laughs> plans about you, but our, our, our goal is to know God as God is known to us. And I am going to probably stop there. Next week we'll pick up on the knowledge, how God's knowledge relates to his lordship, the lordship attributes that is, uh, where, where he has control, he is, he is, um, my goodness, he has authority and he is present in all things. And we'll pick up from there and then go deeper into the subject of God's knowledge. Talk about his knowledge of the future, that'll get us into some eschatology his, his uh, foreknowledge of those that he has saved and things of that nature. So we're going to get into some deeper subjects, but I hope we laid a little bit of a foundation just for our understanding of, of our knowledge of this world and our knowledge of God and uh, things of that nature. Any questions, complaints, or grievances? Feel free to grieve if you like. <laughs> Not as hot as last week. I was burning up up here. Hmm. All right. Well, then if there's no questions or complaints, we will go on. We got about 15 minutes before the next hour.